Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Frog Snacks podcast. We are here and we are very excited because in 24 hours, we will be on a bus leaving the glorious Port Authority bus terminal of New York City. Uh, (laughs) The most most beautiful part of New York City. Beautiful. And we will be heading towards uh, the largely empty gap between New York City and Boston to Boston to... (laughs) Taxis. I can hate because I'm from that gap, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was um, definitely some sideways shade. That was some. There. That wasn't sideways. That was like shade into the mirror. <laughs> like you know where you're. You know where you're from. It was self introspective. Yeah, it was like like you're like I was just looking looking in the mirror and I was like, you know where you're from, man. You know you're just from somewhere on I ninety five. Like you're just. You're from a rest stop off I-95. Uh, Damn. Yeah. You're just a rest stop. <laughs> You're just a rest stop. Okay. Well, so that's where we're going to be, and we're really, really excited because PAX East. Uh, we have gone, I think this is my fourth year and your fifth year. That's correct. So Jesus. we are veterans, and as promised, as always, we are doing our PAX East preview episode, which is exactly what it sounds like. They put up the schedule a few weeks before uh, every PAX event, and we go into it, um, notice uh, trends, and notice certain uh, tournaments and certain events and certain panels that we uh, think are of interest, and sort of just run through them all and say, like, this is this is what uh, we think looks cool, this is what we think you should look out for. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, I, think, I think what we're going to do is... Uh, do it day by day. Uh, things we're interested on to, uh, on seeing on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we will have a section at the end talking about specific games that we want to uh, that we are looking forward to that we know are going to be showcased there. So, without uh, further ado, well, is there is there is there Hold any? On, there's some further ado. Oh, okay. I have to, since you brought it up, I have to go on for a second. Go on. Tell tell us the further ado. The further ado is Port Authority. Okay, so okay. For those of you that did not. See through Snacks' biting sarcasm. <laughs> uh, Port Authority is just like the nastiest fucking place in the entire world. No, no, no. The Port Authority bus terminal is the yeah, nastiest oh, place yes, in the world. The but the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey is the nastiest place in the world. In, ter- in like place being like in the abstract. Yes, the, the Port Authority as an organization is pretty disgusting and shady. That's a whole other. Canon. We need a whole podcast to talk about the support. <laughs> yeah, not an episode. A not podcast. Episode, a podcast. Yeah. Like an ongoing saga <laughs> that would rival Game of Thrones. Oh my god. Port Authority probably is basically Game of Thrones anyway. <laughs> but I'm talking about that nasty ass bus terminal. Woo! Like that stinky ass mm. laid out by somebody who was on acid freaking bus terminal. Oh. Like what were they thinking? I just want to know what is the city of New York thinking? The glorious city of New York. And what? it's funny that you brought it up. Yeah. Because uh, I was out with one of our mutual friends on this very Saturday in the city. Shout out to Ray. And we stopped in Grand Central. Yep. Now, for those of you who have not been to Grand Central, they uh, they know perfectly well that Grand Central is one of the biggest tourist locations, not only in New York City, but in the world. Mm-hmm. So that place is remarkably well kept. Uh, and it's actually really, really clean, too. Yeah, definitely. 
it's extremely clean, extremely well kept, which is phenomenal because it, at the same time, it's a tourist attraction and a mall and all these things. Let's not forget it is also a massive transportation hub that literally millions of people have to pass through. Yeah, if you live literally anywhere north of New York City or are taking uh, – oh, yeah, yeah. If you live anywhere north of New York City – you come into Grand Central. Like, there, there is no other where for you to... Else. Yeah, that's it. Unless you're you... Yeah, yeah it, in, in almost all cases, that's where you're going. Yeah, so it's a massive transportation hub at the same time. It is basically a museum. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they keep it up so well says to me, okay, this can be done. But of course, now we go a couple blocks around the way to good old Port Authority <laughs> in the heart of Times Square. <laughs> yep. And you walk in the doors and you just get hit with the wave of stink. Mm. Like, like you just walked into the freaking garbage dump, you know, and, and there are all these people. Now, I'm not one to be out here, you know, bashing people who know where to go. That's fine. You know, I get it. But at the same time, the people who are in charge could do a damn better job keeping the place up. I mean, what is this? It's super, like, it's super rundown. It's super unintuitive. It smells. It's yeah, it sm- and it's dirty. It's like it smells as you're trying to figure out where the hell to go <laughs> because it makes no fucking sense. Oh my god! I I mean I could, I have lived in the greater New York City area my entire life, and I could I could go on for way too long talking about the like the the various um you know like major infrastructure flaws that I, I think New York could improve upon. And it's like, uh, it's, it's like a moot argument at this point. Like nobody, it, there's nothing for me to say anymore. I, I get it. You know, I really do because after a while you just have to kind of throw your hands up and, and, and resign yourself to this is the reality of the situation. Yeah, really, so really. I want to make two last points about it. Okay. One, uh, I'm particularly, these are kind of the twists of the knife of Port Authority. So twist of the knife one <laughs> is the fact that every time we do this very journey that we're going to do tomorrow, yep. I get to get struck by the fact that when you go into South Station, Boston, uh, South Station is extremely clean, well laid out, and very nice to deal with. Yeah, v- much more intuitive, definitely. Much more intuitive, much cleaner, much nicer. I'm like, wow, this is night and day. It's like going from, you know, some dirt shack to Trump Tower. Pun intended. Uh, (laughs) And and the other twist of the knife is that with all this talk of, again, for those who don't live in the area, uh, Governor Cuomo had announced uh, about a month or two ago that he was initiating all these gigantic revitalization projects for different things around the city. Uh, of particular note to me was they're finally going to upgrade the Jacob Javits Center, which is like, come on, guys, we're in New York. Can we get a convention center that's a little more befitting of the city? Yeah. A city of 10 freaking million people. Uh, that's a whole other can of worms, too. But in all that, you're telling me Port Authority could get no love? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, that it's... was that was bitching with Frog. Sorry for those who have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure many people probably do. Yeah, it's uh, if, if they don't live in New York, then they probably have some nasty ass bus station by them too. Yeah, like take that nasty ass bus station and and turn it into like the central hub. 
and that's what it is. Uh, yeah, turning into a major transportation <laughs> hub in, in the most populous city in the freaking area. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway... Yes, got to get that out of the way. It's uh, it's it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate reality of us getting to uh you know the the promised land that is yes. Pax East. So yes. uh so I uh, I guess we'll start off with Friday. Uh Friday is the first day, starts at 10 a.m. People are lining up well before then, but um doors doors open and it's it's amazing. If you've never been there before, there's really no, there's really nothing that we can say that is going to prepare you for like the scope of the size of the Boston Convention Center. The best thing that I can tell you to do is to right now, if you've never been there, is to right now go on Google Maps and go to Boston and uh, just turn on like satellite, satellite view. And you can see that there's this building that is right across this little stream from downtown Boston and it's this big white square and that big white square, the thing that is roughly the size of downtown Boston is the convention center. Which so is three stories, which is also three stories tall. So, uh, really can't stress it enough. I'll leave it at that. Uh, if, if you are going and you've never been before, that's going to be the first thing that you're going to notice is how massive this thing is. Now it's important to like, we are doing this year and have done every year past uh, come up with some sort of uh, light itinerary for yourself because you will be overwhelmed and there is more at PAX than any one human could possibly do or see in a three-day time period. Yep. So it's really it's really important for you to just like go in uh, on the website, look at the schedule, say this looks cool, that looks cool, I want to check out this tournament, I want to check out this panel, um, I want to check out this game and just like keep that in your head. There's a, there's a great uh, guidebook app that you can get for your phone. And um, make yourself a little little calendar, so uh, it works out really well. So you're not just like running around completely, you know, uh, paralyzed by sensory overload, and which is gonna happen anyway. But at least this way, yeah, you'll you'll be. What you basically want to do, what you're saying, is that you want to be able to go ahead of time and say to yourself when you have time to think about it. All right, what trade offs do I want to make? Because you have to make trade offs. Yeah, and and there are so many panels that they uh, many of them overlap. Yep. So, particularly it, this year, God. Yeah, right. I'm I'm like surprised that they had put some specific panels uh, like at the same time slot as some other big panels. It's it's wild, but uh, anyway, like like I said, there's a lot to check out. So, anyway, uh, this is uh, we'll we'll start with Friday. Like I said, um, they have like a big keynote uh, thing in the main. In, in the main theater, uh, which is all the way upstairs at 10.30 a.m. That's something you should definitely check out if you've never been to PAX before. It's like a big, uh, it's like a big, cool, like, let's get this party started kind of thing. Um, it, it, yeah. it seats so many people. It's incredible. And uh, 4,000, if I recall correctly. 4,000 people. Which is a lot. Um, That's a tremendous number. Yeah. So, but anyway, if, uh, the first, the first panel that caught my eye that I wanted to, uh, that I thought was interesting on Friday, is um, an indie MMO panel, and it's called MMORPG.com. The age of the indie MMO. It's at it's at 11 a.m. on Friday. I think that it just um, what we talked about last week was was super relevant to this, and I think that uh, you know the panel is going to touch on a lot about how. Uh, 
the more creative and the more succinct and the more uh, compact you need to make your MMO, the more it is suited for the indie developer. Um, and you know, the, the space for what was once, uh, like a completely, um, you know, unclimbable wall is now much lower, uh, for entry. So I, I think that this is going to be an interesting thing if you're into MMOs and want to start and are, are, are sick of the wow model and you want to get into some new stuff. There's some stuff out there. It's, it's fledgling, but it's, it's out there. And I think that that panel is going to give you a good, uh, heads up pretty much. Um, yeah, I think that's particularly interesting now you mention it because one thing we may have touched on, at least in some other conversations, is the whole idea that uh, technology has really enabled uh, – it's, it's the bedrock of this indie revolution, right? Mm-hmm. So with the, with the tools that people have available to them now, you can do – one person can do so, so much more oh, yeah. than a whole team could do back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many one-person stories of, of, of successful games have we heard over the last few years? The most oh, recent God. being Stardew Valley. Yep. So Single person. It's, single person. It's incredible. So, you know, when you get even a decent-sized team together with the crazy tools that we have available now, I, I'm sure we're going to see more and more of these uh, either straight MMOs or, you know... Things that will probably slot into, let's say, the Destiny slash the Division uh, slot. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that would be a great one for people to see. Yeah. Uh, what was the first thing you wanted to check out on Friday? Well, I just added that now because now you brought yeah. that up. I was like, that's a good idea. But yeah. after that, um, I have recently started playing with a couple of our other friends, Warframe. Right. They're having uh, the uh, they're having the Warframe panel. They're having a Warframe panel. So I. I'm going to go there. Uh, they might be giving out some free skins and things like that, which would be cool. Ooh, yo, it's, it's all, all, all in for the skins. You got All in for skins. Skins, skins, and more skins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Customization is, like, so incredibly key. Like, if they're giving out... If there is even a possibility of there being a, a panel for a game that you like and there might be skins, go. go. Just get the skins. It's pri- you got to get the skins. It's priority A, B, and C, actually. Let's not even kid ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing about that is it'll be nice to kind of get a... We're, like, we're pretty... Except my one friend who's acting as our guide. But we're the rest of us are pretty new. Right. So uh, there's a tremendous amount to see. But it'll still be kind of good to see what do they have in store for the people who've been playing forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I tried Warframe, just to quickly give the background, I tried it when we first put this PC together a year ago, but I was like, oh, it was cool, but I didn't have a ton of incentive to keep playing, but then we finally got our little group together, so now we're playing a little more often, uh, and we kind of got the fire under us because of an excellent Kotaku article, which we'll probably link in show notes later. Uh, which was talking about why Warframe is such a great example of a free-to-play game, and it's true, because it's a game where you can do everything in the game without spending money, but the money the money side is there to spend if you so decide. Right. Plus, you do have a random chance of getting a like a 75% off, off the in-game currency drop, Ooh. which will make uh, buying in-game currency with real money a much more attractive proposition anyway. And added incentive to keep playing also exactly because i read actually that big drop can occur like if you haven't been playing for a while blah 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 blah. so oh nice they do they do a good job of keeping people invested 
Uh, not to mention the game is extremely good looking, controls wonderfully, and does one of my favorite things about video games that not a lot of video games do, which is offer a robust set of movement options. Like, just moving through the world of Warframe is an art in itself. Like, moving styles? Like, you can, instead of, like, switching the buttons around, you, like, switch the way you move around? No, so just to say, like, okay, you can obviously run and sprint. Yeah. And by the way, the, just that is so fast, you can barely tell the difference between them, between your regular move and just sprinting. Uh, then there's all sorts of wall jumping, okay. gliding through the air. So it's got a robust, like, parkour system. Exactly. Okay, cool. Exactly. So, yeah, that's my, my, my Warframe thing. But that's that's the first thing that, like, you know, priority A on my schedule. Right. What time is that? That's at 1. Okay, cool. At uh, at 12, this is an important thing uh, anyway. It's it's going to be going on all weekend, actually, but it starts at 12 on Friday. Uh, League of Legends always has a, uh, a, a pretty big presence at, at PAX, as you can imagine. But they uh, they usually have a spot on the show on the show floor, and it's usually okay. just like, um, you know, they'll they'll live stream it on Twitch and they'll they'll do some type of event. But this year they're doing something really interesting. I thought uh, probably feeding off of the popularity of Heroes of the Dorm, the the collegiate uh, Heroes of the Storm tournament that they do, um, Riot Games and the Big Ten Network are actually. Um, are actually uh, setting up a collegiate League of Legends tournament, and it's going to be um, Ohio State University and Michigan State, which are huge, old-school, like, going-way-back, big-time, like, nationally-known football rivals, right? So they're getting their best League of Legends players, and what the cool part about it is that the Big Ten, the, the, uh, the actual NCAA conference that these two teams are in, is putting up the money to send these kids to packs, and nice. it's being aired on the Big Ten Network, like in between replays of like college football games. Wow! So I there, didn't know that. yeah, I actually did some research on it because I thought it was really, really cool. So, um, yeah, so uh, Ohio State versus Michigan State. It's three rounds. First round is on Friday. They're doing uh, they're doing the tournament there. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be live streaming on tweet on Twitch, and it's also going to be on. It's going to be played live on the Big Ten Network, which is uh, like a like a regional sports channel. All the Big Ten teams are pretty much in the Midwest, so um, if you live in the Midwest and you you love yourself some Ohio State or Michigan State football, yo, get ready because you got some League of Legends to watch this weekend, and you got uh, some off season stuff to root for to root for your team for, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, even though just uh, not to be the negative Nancy here, but I know what you're gonna say. The uh, <laughs> the the reality is though that their time slot is not very good. Uh, Twelve o'clock on a Friday afternoon is not particularly. Well, good. they're having they're it's it's part one of three, so there's gonna be a, another one on Saturday and another one on Sunday, and then they're gonna replay the whole tournament, uh, like on syndication, I guess, all week on BTN. Uh, so you'll get a chance to see it at some point. Um, but yeah, that's super cool. Um, I don't know anybody who's gone to Michigan state, so, uh, go Buckeyes. I'm going to be rooting for Ohio state. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that that's super cool. And just the fact that the, the big 10, like the athletic conference, this like huge NCAA athletic conference, is, is actually supporting it and, you know, financially and, um, you know, it, through its 
television channel. Right, 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 right. Not bad. Yeah, pretty cool. What did you have next? Um, at two, I'm skipping all the way in. Uh, two o'clock. I have my eyes on the Mario Maker World Championships. Yeah, that's cool. Did, who selects the levels? Are they random? Is that the point? Well, this is basically so. There's Pat Klepek from Kotaku going versus Dan Riker from Giant Bomb. Right. So they've been going back and forth. Oh with, yeah, they, uh, yeah. They've had this ongoing like video series where they're like trying to one up each other. Yeah. Yeah. So they're basically going to do uh, the be all end all of Mario Maker levels. Here. <laughs> so I think that'll be kind of a fun thing for people to see. Oh, totally. Especially because, as we know, Mario Maker is pretty ridiculous in in scope at this point oh yeah yeah definitely that's super cool um i had uh next um the one that is is there every year and is always super cool but i think i'm a little bit more interested this year than i had been in previous years and that's the the gearbox panel which i'm sure you had on your Uh, radar as well yeah that's a 4 p.m gearbox always does uh one like big panel in the main uh in, in the main theater Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes they do giveaways and, you know, it's always cool to, uh, hear stuff from the people who brought us Borderlands, but they've got, uh, they've got a, a, a new IP that we think we're probably going to hear a little bit more about this year. Uh, we're definitely hearing more about Battleborn. Yeah. Last year. It does legitimately look awesome. It does. Last year they kind of just like mentioned it. They were like, Hey, we're working on this game called Battleborn and we were like, cool. But this year I think is going to be with, with no Borderlands news on the horizon, um, Though that may be a thing this year too. Who knows? But they may announce it. That that could be that could be a, a surprise announcement. But for absolutely certain, we're going to be hearing a lot about Battleborn, which I think we all need to know more about. So it's it's cool hearing straight hearing it straight from the developers. There might be some giveaways, maybe some skins, 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 skins. Anyone? S- skins for all. <laughs> skins for all. So yeah, uh, gotta check out if you're a fan of uh, what Gearbox is doing and or 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 are just curious about Battleborn. Uh, that's in the main theater, so like, there's plenty of room. Again, four thousand people, and it's it's uh it's always a fun time at the at the gearbox panel. Definitely. What did you have next? Uh, I mean, panel wise, that again, we talk about trade offs. So right, having done this for a long time, I I consciously said, let me not load this thing up with panels. Because yeah. there's only so much that I'm going to be able to see. That's smart. And there's tournaments going on the whole time, too. Even if it's just, like, a, a game that you're excited that they're actually competing in, like, it's it's cool to just swing by and, and be like, oh, wow, they're actually doing this. this. They're actually doing a tournament on this. I'm super excited that they're doing a Super Mario Strikers tournament this year. Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, my, my God. God. Super Mario Strikers is uh, tied, I, I would say tied for first with Mario Golf as my favorite uh, Mario sports game. Mario, Super Mario Strikers is the best. It's so, it's so cool. I'm so happy that they're doing a tournament for it. I hope the turnout is good. Um, but uh, I'm also really excited for later on Friday, uh, the last thing that I had sort of circled was uh, Dr. Nerdlove is going to be um, is going to be at PAX this year. I, I guess uh, Doctor Nerdlove is uh, not a real doctor. He's just um, he's just a nerd who writes to other nerds and like answers uh, answers other nerds questions about uh, relationships, right? And it's uh, he his work is uh, featured regularly on Kotaku and um, 
he does a really good job of like explaining how you you know balance your electronic obsession your various electronic obsessions with uh you know with a with a real life partner and stuff like that and it's just like I, I just think he's a pretty smart uh columnist and if if you're interested in that type of thing I think uh I I always read his stuff even though um a lot of it doesn't pertain to me I'm always interested in seeing what he has to say and he's he's very good at uh, just like just basic life balance ideas, I think. So, I that, yeah. so yeah, Dr. Nerd Love, cool stuff. So yeah, that's uh, that's well, it for Friday, right? Or you got one more? Well, I was going to say that uh, two things is that uh, at six, they do have uh, Street Fighter, the live show with Mike Ross. Right. I saw that. Max Arena. Yeah. So, uh, I'm interested to see what's going to be going on there. Actually, that Pax Arena is going to have a lot of Street Fighter this year. Oh, yes. So, uh, interesting to see Capcom clearly going to make a play to uh, drum up interest in SF5, mm-hmm. which is a smart thing to do because it's an excellently put together game. So, definitely. They might as well get people to try it and you know, get in the door. Right. So, Saturday is uh, the biggest day, obviously. Um, su- like, super jam packed, like, just up to the eyeballs with panels there's no way you could see all the ones you want to see but which is another reason why it's so important for you to really handpick the ones that you you are definitely going to go to uh but for saturday um this is this is going to be interesting because this is something that is uh, what i saw was kind of like uh the first indication of like a new theme in in pax uh pax always kind of has a theme you know sometimes it's like uh you know, um, you know how games help people out emotionally. You know, some it, it it varies from like the, you know, to from the heavy to the jovial. And uh, this year, this is the first time I've I've seen something like this, and I think that this is really interesting. They're doing a panel, um, called uh, uh, "Crafting Your Own Controllers," and I, I think it's interesting because it looks like the panel is going to be about. Uh, how to how to create your own custom input device? Um, you've seen in recent years people using everything uh, and you know remapping any all kinds of electronic devices with PCBs in them to you know complete games and games that it wasn't intended for. You know you've seen people use the DK bongos for all kinds of weird things. You've seen people use like DDR mats for all kinds of weird things, right? And I think that this is interesting because uh, it looks like PAX has kind of gotten on the train of, um, you know, gamers having a much more, uh, technological hand in the experience of gaming. Right. Um, people are experimenting with unreal engine at a, you know, at at, on like a daily clip. Something is coming out. That's a fan made unreal, uh, unreal engine remake or something. People are, uh, customizing controllers left and right and adding Bluetooth to things. And, you know, the, the, um, the barrier for fans to, uh, make hardware mods is lower. And we're starting to see developers sort of meet people in the middle a little bit with what with, uh, you know, uh, razors like, um, external GPU and, uh, you know, this like, uh, you know, possible external, um, hardware upgrades to the various systems and stuff. So I think that this is, uh, there, there's another, uh, panel like this later on, on Saturday, but this is the first one. It's at 10 30 AM. It's called crafting your own controller for the immersive game experiences. I think if you are, uh, technologically savvy 
and or good with your hands, um, I think that this is going to be really interesting. And I've I've just very recently started to get into that what with like arcade stick modding and stuff. So I'm going to uh, I, I I'm probably going to check that out and see if they can uh, give me some tips because I I definitely messed up the stick mod and now I don't have an arcade stick. So uh, hey. I, I could use the help. Yeah, well, you, that sucks. But I was also going to say that, um, well, two things. First, to the point about the theme, is that just to clarify for people listening, is that this is not something that, you know, Penny Arcade says, hey, do panels about blah, blah, blah. blah. Right. Oh, this year's theme is, uh, you know, uh, technological, um, you know, haberdashery, like, yeah, show up. This, this year's theme is yeah. Katy Perry's Left Shark. Go ahead. <laughs> like, this year's theme is left shark. Everyone show up dressed up like a shark. If they did that, it would be such a hot mess. And there would be sharks literally everywhere. I mean, left shark is the best thing to happen to the Super Bowl uh, in a long time. So This is true. This is true. But uh, what we were saying is that when people decide, okay, I want to give a presentation at PAX, what is it going to be on? When's things are going on in the gaming world writ large, uh, naturally, the outgrowth of that is that many people will independently come to a conclusion that we need to talk about whatever that thing is in however many different ways. Mm-hmm. This year, the theme is... Seem, I don't see the theme like a strand of a theme as clearly because last year, in the last year, it hasn't really been any like you know, elephants in the room. Right. I guess, I guess it might be, uh, like an, a bit of an overstatement to call it a theme, but I will say that there are, uh, at least two panels that talk about this kind of thing. And I can't remember there being one like it on uh, the past few years. Obviously they've had like, you know, um, you know, like the, the, the PC building type of thing, but, um, this year they're actually having like how to panels. And I, I don't remember this happening last year. Right, so what I was going to say to that point is that maybe for that, is that's not going to be so much theme as it is indicative of, I think, a larger trend, which is that, you know, we talk about gaming as a participatory culture, right? Yep. So that happens in so, so, so many different ways already, from people, you know, making videos based on games to all these streamers out there that are using games as a way for to engage with audiences and the game itself. You know, uh, down to modding, right? Yep. I mean, modding is a increasingly competitive and robust sector of gaming fandom. Yep. And I think that what's happening now, to your point, is that the physical part of modding is starting to gather further steam. Again, uh, absolutely. that's something that's always been there. Right. But as you said, it may be now, as time is going on. That uh, and you know certain things get easier. People have more access to information. That uh, the physical modding scene is going to become a little more popular. Definitely, and the you know the people at PAX have uh, have always had a, done a very good job of keeping their finger on the pulse of what's going on like the gaming community at large. So uh, this doesn't surprise me that they're that they're kind of you know uh, getting getting in there now. Um, so. So I, I think that's interesting. Um, so that's that's something I want to check out, and then the other one later on that day. But yeah, what did you, what did you want to check out? Well, the first thing on my schedule, I was going to say that uh, the closest that I'm seeing to theme is 
uh, kind of the ongoing discussion in gaming, which is around inclusion, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've had, not that we're going to go recount all those tales here, but uh, anybody who follows video games knows that the last couple of years have been, shall we say, contentious uh, in terms of considering how we ensure that everybody is welcome to the table of gaming, right? Right. So uh, a lot of, I think that PAX in general uh, always has a lot of talk about that, but uh, I know a few different, actually a number, I can't go to all of them, but I know a number of panels around that topic. First one that I have on my schedule is Saturday, 11 a.m., how we find positivity through gaming. Yep. Uh, I think that's a really, really interesting discussion to have. This is actually something that they have a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, this is per- this is perennial. The whole idea of how games uh, help us deal. Yeah. So, yeah, and actually I think this will be the first one that I've actually gone to. But that's the first time on my schedule. Right, that one's cool. Yeah, that's that's a perennial thing. This is always like, uh, I, I, I think um, going to PAX can be cathartic in a lot of ways. And I think that the people at PAX realize that they have this power and, you know, think that they can bring up a lot of the things that you might not come up in like everyday conversation. So yes. it's, it's, a, it's a perennial theme. It's a perennial theme. Um, can I add real quick? I yeah. have to give a shout out to the folks that run the, the, the Take This AFK Lounge. Uh, because I don't, I've never personally felt the need to, you know, spend a lot of time there myself. Right. I totally get, again, for the people who've never been to PAX, to take this AFK lounge is a designated space, basically, that's a quiet room. Yep. So, you know, you go to PAX, this place is humongous and filled with lots of loud noise and flashing lights and crazy shit happening all day long. Again, sensory overload. Total sensory overload. Uh, you know, it can even get someone like me, and I love sensory overload. <laughs> so, but for somebody who is, uh, shall we say, not of the constitution where that's a good thing, uh, they have this place where you can go and kind of collect yourself. And I think that's emblematic and speaks a lot to uh, the show organizers taking mental health seriously. Yeah. I think that also relates to kind of the stuff that we've been talking about, like how we find positivity in all these panels. Yep. Uh, So I I really got to give a shout out particularly to those folks, uh, but in general to the show organizers for taking the mental health issues seriously, but in a non-judgmental way. Right. Right. Definitely. And there's, there's always, there's always people around to, you know, speak with, if you need somebody to speak with the, PAX takes this kind of thing very seriously, and I think that uh, it's uh, obviously I, I know that it's a good thing. So, um, what did I have next for Saturday? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, in defense of narrative trash and triumph, which is I at what? Really? Did you call me? I thought this one was uh, a little uh, under the radar. Anyway, well, it is, but I knew it was Zach, babe. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so you're right. It is. Uh, there's. There's nothing I love more than arguing over whether or not a game is good. Um, and there's nothing that I, I, it, it's, it's an, it's just another, it's just an, another like masochistic fiber of my being where if somebody says like, uh, comes up to me and says like, oh, you know, uh, that game that you love, I think it's stupid. Um, and you're not going to change my mind. 
and I'll I I will change your mind even if I have to physically change your mind. Like I love arguing about games and I think that we've got to the point where narrative in games has gotten so big and so important. It's such a huge part of games. We've got like great uh, you know, the technology is great and the voice acting is awesome and like everything's awesome. And, uh, but it's, but it's so easy for people to just be like, this game isn't good. The story is dumb. Like the story is dumb is like the ultimate write off. Like if you didn't like a game and don't really feel like getting into why you didn't like it, you could just be like, yeah, the story was kind of dumb. And that pisses me off personally. It's bad. It's a bad thing to say. And you should feel bad if you say it. I'm, Unless you can back it up and are willing to. So I think that this is a really interesting thing because it's it just talks about, like, why is this game so universally loved in terms of its story? Why is this game hated in terms of its story? Um, it's just to talk about game narrative. And I, I think that that's awesome because I hope that an argument will break out. <laughs> there probably will be. I, I have that on my schedule as well. But now here's where we get into... Uh, the, the playing around with things in terms of trade-offs and whatever, whatever. Yeah. Because my next thing following that would be, I have the choice uh, at both at 2 o'clock, uh, there's how much XP is in 50 squats. Right. I, I actually almost put that on my list of things I was going to talk about. I was real close. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is something nice. I You don't really see too much of this in panels, but... It's kind of around in the area we're talking about, you know, getting people active and da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, like last year, I remember they had some folks... I, I forgot whether they're from, um, like, any subdivision of the armed forces but, or, or, like, a support group or whatever, but right. this, this group was there having a push-up contest. Right. Yeah, dude. That was right in front. Right in the front of the lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm get, this is another panel that's going to kind of be like, oh... You know, kind of trying to inspire people, because obviously this is catering to a audience of people, many of whom are probably permanently sedentary. So, which again is not judging, but that is the reality of the situation. Uh, So, this is going to be a thing that's probably going to try to inspire people to do some exercise and whatever. Uh, I do my fair share, so I would love to go and be a part of that discussion. Uh, but the conflict I have is that that occurs at the same time as Mr. Cliff Blazinski's Lawbreakers panel. Right. Uh, yeah. I saw that yeah. too. Uh, for those who weren't following, Cliff Blazinski, who is the uh, big to-do at Epic Games, responsible for Gears of War, uh, left Epic some years ago to found Boss Key Studios. And they announced, was it last year or earlier this year? Some, not long ago, they announced Lawbreakers, which is going to be their upcoming shooter. Uh, which is actually going to be along the lines of Overwatch and Battleborn. Uh, and so it, is, it would appear from the description of this panel that they're going to uh, be giving out much more information about Lawbreakers, and hopefully when we can expect to see it. I'm curious about the game, so I would like to go and see this firsthand, but uh, it's gonna, this is, of course, going to depend on a number of things, because obviously that panel... If I decide I have to go to that, that means, A, I can't go to the how much XP is in 50 squats panel. And it also means I'd probably have to leave in defense of Niagara Trash and Triumphs early because then you have to count for line time. Right. Facts planning, folks. Yeah. So that decision will be made. We'll see how that goes. Definitely. Um, 
for me, I guess uh, there were there were a few things that I just kind of want to like check out for Saturday that aren't necessarily panel based. Um, I think it's awesome that they're having an uh, an NHL '94 tournament. Um, for for those of you who don't know, NHL '94 has kind of had like the same type of like uh, uh, like perseverance as um, as that football game. Oh man, I'm drawing a blank. What the uh, the original NFL like two K series? No, 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 no. Um, the the old the like super old school for like NES football oh, game. Tech Mobile. Tech Mobile. Tech Mobile. Thank you. It's kind of had like the same perseverance as Tech Mobile, where um, you know th- they've had like a pretty strong following, and up until uh, up until very very recently, they had an annual tournament in Wisconsin for Tech Mobile, and it was like dr- it like drew a pretty big crowd for a while. Right. NHL 94 is kind of the same way where there's something about it where it, w- it was just like for a game for its age was uh, was playable enough for it to, you know, remain fun in 2016. And there's uh, a story I, I heard about uh, a couple of like hockey writers, I guess, before every season start do an NHL 94 tournament and like. It's it's like a big deal. Like they like their NHL '94 tournament is like everyone at ESPN does it. I guess, um, who like or maybe it was like uh, like Yahoo Sports or something. But it was like NHL '94. Like this is how we get excited for the hockey season to start. Like they play NHL '94. So I think it's really cool that they're doing the they're doing a tournament for it here at PAX. Um, I think it's cool that they do they do this every year, but they always do the game industry career panel. In uh, it's like a two part thing. It's pretty big. Um, if you're interested in the career in the gaming industry if you've got some talent and you think that that's a cool thing like these people will help you out like these people will talk to you about how they got in and they stick around too so if you have questions afterwards like they you know they'll 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 answer some more like uh you know pointed questions for you after the panel's over um yeah. so so that's that's cool that's uh that's going on for like 2 hours starting at 6:30 on Saturday night so if you if you really want to get in and get these people's you know uh pick their brain that's uh that's a good thing to go to good point good point um i have yet another conflict next which is that uh 3:30 they've got how video works which is talking about how Basically, all these websites that supply various video content related to video games uh, have. There's been a lot of change, and talking about kind of the future of that industry. I'm gonna go to that. I, I had it written down here. I just didn't bring it up. Yeah, that I want to go to. But then there's the conflict because at four o'clock, there's awesome video game data 2016. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I didn't write that down because I knew you were gonna talk about it. The awesome video game data is. Uh, the That's first we do this podcast, folks. We know each other. The first, the first one that they did was last year, and we went to it. And I think that that was the panel that you and I got the most out of. It, it was because it was just such. We're both, you know, data freaks. Yeah. I'm not good at statistics, but I love getting the top level numbers. Oh, same. So that was a great. Plus, I love getting that kind of detailed insight into trends and things of that nature. Again, I'm sure it's same for you. That's why I do this. Yep. <laughs> so this is going to be, I'm sure, another interesting panel. And there's been a lot of talk about different things. Like, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of uh, interesting things to say about, like, free-to-play gaming 
oh yeah of that nature yeah yeah it's uh if you're just interested in numbers and you want to see like what like if you if you think that one thing is more popular than another thing and you want to see it visualized these guys do an incredible job and they put out a really interesting presentation so uh check that out if you're interested in in like industry numbers because it's it's uh i think the most informative um in terms of a lot of things uh, as far as panels go at PAX. So that's a, that's a good one. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we, you both, we both had the same thing for that point. So uh, yeah. I guess I'll go on. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have is kind of a, I can go to this, but I can cut it if necessary, which is the life of an esports pro. Yep. Uh, talking about uh, some folks who play games professionally for a living and kind of going to give us a little more of the behind the scenes of, what is it like dealing with, you know, having to, to do that? Because um, most, most people think of the glamorous side of, oh, man, I get to play video games and get paid for it. But, I mean, I know firsthand because we've seen people who are trying to go pro, uh, it takes a tremendous, tremendous amount of work. I mean, you play video games to the point where it very much is work. Yep. And not only are you just playing, it's not like you're just, you know, cooling out on your couch and playing. No, you got to be at 100% and everything you do counts and you have to be good. Yep. So, and not, not only that, but there's going to be an insane travel schedule too because you have to go to all these different cities for tournaments. Uh-huh. So, that would be something interesting to hear about if uh, time allows. Yeah, definitely. Was that the same thing you had or... No, I'm I'm actually done for Saturday, I think. Oh, really? Okay, so well, I had uh, two other things. Uh, this next one is also kind of, I can cut it, but I prefer not to, which is uh, the Markiplier panel. Uh-huh. Uh, for those who don't know, Markiplier is a very popular YouTube gamer uh, who does these very funny slash strange uh, videos where he's playing all these different games. Came to fame playing Five Nights at Freddy's, but since gone on to play all sorts of other weird odds and ends, and he's very, has a very, uh, how do you put this, a very, uh, like, loud, in-your-face kind of personality, but in a jovial sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think that his panel would definitely be extremely entertaining. Uh, plus, it'd be the first, like, actual, you know, YouTube or Twitch personality uh, events I would have ever gone to, so that would be something interesting to see. Uh, and at 7.30, they have, again, going on the theme of inclusion, they have the Diversity in Gaming panel. Yep. So Which I think uh, they have every year. Yeah, they have some variants of this every year, but again, first time I go to that, and I think that one is definitely going to be a, a good one to go to uh, as we discuss, you know, all these various issues that have been going on lately. Yeah. But that would be it for Saturday. All right. Um, if you haven't seen it late at night on Saturday, they're doing the um, they're doing the uh, King of Chinatown viewing, which is the the um, the the like Street Fighter documentary, which is super cool. Um, check that out if you haven't. But that's that's it for Saturday. Um, we're uh, getting a little close on time, so let's try and blow through Sunday. Uh, Sunday at ten a.m. There are two things I actually want to check out on on Sunday. Right, right, at, right off the bat at ten a.m. Uh, we all know exactly what the first one is. Cutting edge of PC gaming with Newegg, which is exactly what I was talking about. You know, people getting into building your own PC, modding your own PC, just getting uh, interested in mods 
and in terms of hardware instead of software. They're going to talk about VR, which is super cool. And the other thing is uh, the history of uh, of Eve Online, which we've kind of brought up briefly in the past couple of episodes. There's a lot of really really interesting things going on in Eve Online, and it's way more interesting to hear about than it is to like live through. So if you're if you're interested in like uh like just anything politics war whatever and want to see it done in like real time like actually in a video game this is the panel you want to go to so i might i'll go to one of those two i'm just not sure which one yeah i'm personally putting eve online ahead of that stuff because yeah uh my again this is the kind of calculations you have to go through when putting a plan together my internal calculation was all this technology stuff that they're going to talk about i'll read about online later Right. But it, it would be nice to get a breakdown lecture on the entire kind of history of EVE Online. That would be great. Though, of course, as always, there's a conflict because at 10.30, uh, this Paxamania. Right. Which is the video game wrestling tournament that they hold every year with <laughs> people from Giant Bomb, etc., etc. And uh, what makes this interesting is that... Uh, they, they do it WWE style as well. Right. So there's often there's trash talk videos made beforehand. Everybody has a character. Apparently last year there were trading cards as well. It's a whole like thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's appar- and it's very, very funny. Yeah, and it, like last year somebody got a bottle broken over there. That was, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to play out, but we'll figure it out. Uh, so that's going to be hype. What do you have next? Um, the next one is, I'm trying to find out what time it is, but it's called, uh, it's called my first pixel. And it's again, just for people who are interested in making video games and just like the technology involved in like the engines that are available and how to work with them and what next steps are. Once you think you've got the knack of the actual design and writing of video games, um, I'm probably not going to attend it because I have zero artistic talent whatsoever But I think that it's interesting, again, because it falls in line with all of these other panels that I've brought up in terms of hardware and actually making games and not just writing games or being a good artist, but actually like working with an engine and, you know, only recently have, have these engines become, you know, very, uh, available to the public for, for free, if not very inexpensive and uh, so th- I think that's that's interesting. I just wanted to bring it up because it's it's in line with the the point I was trying to make. But Absolutely. I think uh, at eleven thirty, gaming the PTA uh, is cool. It's just about like, and they kind of do this at at every PAX where they they're just like, how do you talk about talk to your parents or somebody that you're close with that doesn't play video games about video games and make it not sound like you're crazy? And I think that uh, this one's really cool because it's li- it's it's very much about parents who have small children. Um, so I, I think that that's, uh, that's interesting too. Like I always, there's another one later that's, uh, that was just in line with it, but it was, it's, it's basically like, how do you, how do you get your friends who don't play video games to like video games? Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up that that was something that was on Saturday. That was Saturday. Okay. Okay. I, I thought I had it written down for Sunday, but yeah, that's, uh, they have one on Saturday and one on Sunday. One's for your friends. The other one's for your parents. I think that that's really cool. Uh, my my dad still thinks um, – he doesn't – I don't think he 
thinks games are like bad. I just think he's just like it's so foreign to him that like I I wish I could make it sound as interesting to me as like to him as it as it is to me. And I I think that there's probably a lot that I don't know in terms of explaining it as an artistic medium. So uh, that's another thing that usually goes on every year. Um, I think that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely a good one. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wanted to go to it too, but again, you make the uh, trade-offs. Yep. But uh, next thing for me, uh, one is who wants to be a Nintendo Air? Yeah, yep, yep. Which is, uh, I've been to it before. It's great fun. Uh, exactly what the name suggests. It's who wants to be a millionaire, but all the questions are related to Nintendo. Yep. So it's a... It's a room of me and a bunch of other thirsty-ass Nintendo fans, <laughs> and we're all going to completely geek out. It's a great time. Yep. Uh, then we've got... Uh, where, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Um, a lot of o- Overwatch open play, and uh, the the grand finals for Overwatch are going to be at 3 p.m. The game uh, is coming out sooner and sooner, and just super excited for it. It's going to have a major presence at PAX this year. Yeah, Blizzard's um, not fooling around. No, they're definitely not, so I'm super stoked for that. Uh, there's also a, a panel called, um, uh, which is the last one that I had written down for Sunday, which is uh, Analog Gaming in a Digital World. And, yeah, that too. Yeah, and it's 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 exactly what it sounds like. It's like as as technology gets crazier and crazier and crazier, it's where it, where is the space for tabletop gaming and where is the space for card gaming and um, stuff like that and board gaming. And it's incredible because... Uh, if you even are a little bit interested in games, you know that these things are not um, inversely proportional. The, the popularity of digital games has, has only skyrocketed alongside uh, the, you know, the, the popularity of tabletop games. This is definitely a case of rising tide lifts all boats. There is so much. I can't even keep up with them, you know, just, just by virtue of me paying so much attention to uh, digital video games, but um, tabletop the tabletop gaming presence at PAX is just as big as yeah. the digital gaming. And you will see when, when you get there, it is just as big. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, annually mind blown by how massive and how devout the tabletop gaming community is and how varied and how nuanced and how... Uh, uh, constantly evolving it is it's way bigger than Dungeons and Dragons it's way bigger than Settlers of Catan it's it goes all it goes all the way down and what's interesting is that I mean I know people who go to this show and don't set foot in anything video game related yep they will go and spend three days playing tabletop effects it's it's way 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 bigger than you think if you're not already aware yeah so, yeah, that, well, you put my uh, last one out there, so that's good. So, for me, the last two I had, yet again, conflict. <laughs> uh, the conflict is between virtual reality and psychedelic at 2 p.m. Yeah, I thought, that was, I thought that looked interesting. That looked extremely interesting because, in general, VR is going to be a very trippy thing for a long time. Yep. So, I'm sure they're going to be pushing the frontiers of altered state of consciousness so we'll see how that goes uh but at 2 30 there is uh, basically the polar opposite final product versus, versus expectation analysis of launching a game which will be talking about getting uh through the process of actually getting your video game out the door 
which is a kind of behind the scenes businessy talk that I love to hear. Right, so and again, yeah, and again, if if you are artistically talented, uh, Pax is the place to get your notebook full of ideas because they're or if you're an aspiring developer absolutely because and yeah. there's plenty of panels we didn't talk about really too many of them but there's plenty of panels that talk specifically about hey if you're trying to be an indie dev let's tell you some stuff you need to know yeah so the last I guess the last thing is if, unless you had another panel that you wanted to bring up that was it okay the last thing we wanted to bring up is uh, uh, it, approximately one third of the show floor of PAX which is which is a, a massive amount of real estate uh, is the indie mega booth, which is uh, kind of like this crazy maze of a bunch of small booths that uh, that are showcasing independent games, and you can spend an entire day at the at the indie mega booth. So what they do is they have their own uh, they have their own site with all the games that they're going to showcase, and there were uh, there were just a couple that uh, that Frog and I wanted to bring up that we want to check out while we're there. So I'll, I'll let you kick that off. Yeah, I was going to say that the Indie Mega Booth is easily my single... If I had to isolate one part of PAX that is my favorite, it's easily Indie Mega Booth. Because not only do you get to see all these uh, small, you know, upstart developers putting out their often extremely creative and well-polished products out for people to see, but you get to talk to the people who made them. Yep. Like, I mean, if you go not to sing out any of the big developers, but let's say if you're going to the Capcom booth... You're not going to, for the most part, uh, see anybody who worked on those games there. You're seeing all the various people they hired to put their booth together for them. Yep. But when you go and go see uh, Below from, let's say, Cappy Games, which is going to be there, people that actually worked on that game are likely going to be there. Uh, and they're going to answer questions and tell you about the game. And it, it, it's it's very inspiring and, and very fun to see. And a very great experience to have. But, yeah, real quick, just some of the games are there. Um, I have my eyes on 20XX. Yep. Which is basically going to be Mega Man X as a roguelike, which mm-hmm. I don't see what could possibly be bad about that, <laughs> aside from if you don't like retardedly difficult games. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's got Orion Legacy of the Coriolan. Uh, which is an action RPG made by a team uh, located in, I believe, somewhere in West Africa. Uh, they might be from Ghana, but I don't recall correctly, so don't quote me. Yep. <laughs> but uh, they're going to be bringing a, you know, some of the uh, some of their culture's aesthetic to bear on the game, which is going to be something that really has not been seen very much in most Western media, much less in video games. Yep. Uh, another thing, there's Blockhood, which is going to be an interesting take on a city builder. Uh, it's going to be more talking about, for folks that kind of follow architecture and whatever, probably heard that there's a lot more talk about mega cities and vertical cities. Yep. Uh, this is going to be something along those lines. Uh, and I think I had like two more. Hold up. Oh, Last Fight. Last Fight, which is going to be a is being made as a spiritual successor to Power Stone. Oh, uh, what? Which is all I should need to say there. Oh, man, I didn't even know. Power Stone's the best, man. Power yeah, Stone was so I, I much fun. I had experience because that was a little before I started playing games. Oh, my God, dude. Yo, like four, like four, four people, local co-op, Sega Dreamcast, Power Stone 2. Like, forget it, dude. Afternoon done. 
like exactly. I, I we we played my 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 crew, like my hometown crew, like we played Power Stone two. That game was mad fun. Yeah, so <laughs> sorry, I had to interject because Power no, Power I mean, Stone's I mean, the shit. I'm not put to say there because, like I said. I've only played it a couple of times, and that was basically just to see how it worked. Uh, right. Because I never, you know, that was when I started playing games. It was all Smash all the time. Yeah. So you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's it. That's pretty much it. Cool. There were only two games on here that I really wanted to check out. A lot of them uh, you don't know are great until you actually get to see them. Because uh, again, none of these have any sort of fanfare until they're uh, either. Uh, already out or just about to be released. So right now, uh, I, I want to check out the Flame and the Flood. It's um, it's already out. Actually, it came out about a month ago, but it's gonna be it's gonna be at the Indie Meg booth, which which is awesome. And it's just kind of like uh, it's just kind of like a, a really pretty indie survival game where you're you're kind of like uh, collecting things that you need to survive as you like travel down this river uh, after some horrible like uh, biblical flood. Um, it, it sounds very like sad and pretty, uh, to me, which, which I think is like, uh, a qualifier that I am like realizing that I like more and more in games. Um, if it's like pretty and sad, um, that, uh, that, that, uh, that like small time Ubisoft joint that came out a few years ago. Um, oh man. What, uh, Child of Light? Child of Light, Child of Light. Um, it was like very, it was like very pretty and sad, liked that, um, Transistor, uh, kind of pretty and sad, liked that, um, Dark Souls, pretty and sad, like that, so, uh, yeah. Both in game and for the person playing it, because they yeah. get killed. <laughs> yeah, so like pretty, pretty, and, if you can make a game, uh, pretty and kind of sad, uh, I'm, I'm probably into it. The other one on, on this list I want to check out is called Tooth and Tail, which I really need to do some more research in, but it's a, it's a, um, it's like a, it's a strategy game. It's like an RTS kind of, but it looks like it's got some uh, more, uh, more like nuanced and more interesting mechanics in it. Uh, but I like the aesthetic because it takes place on like a much smaller than human scale. Um, because it it's a it's about rats, like factions of rats, which I think is great and cool and adorable. I love anything that lets you play like. Somebody like shrunken down. Yeah, like, yeah. One of my favorite courses in Mario Kart Eight is Ribbon Road, like the redo of Ribbon Road, simply because it's done as you racing around a toy car course. And somebody there was uh, okay, super super off the rails right now, but there was a Twisted Metal Four course uh, or like level, I guess. In Twisted Metal, I'm pretty sure it was Four. Twisted Metal Four, where you were playing inside the the childhood bedroom of Calypso, the like main antagonist. Hilarious. And you were like, you had to like, you like went under his bed and stuff. Um, so that was cool. But yeah, that's like, that's like one of the things that is, uh, that made like Katamari so, uh, beautiful and interesting at the time, right? It was cause like you, you did the entire scope from like the minuscule to the, you know, uh, universally large. Right. So right. that's, that's super cool. So yeah, those, those are the two that I, I wanted to check out specifically while I'm there. Well, I think that just about covers, I think- uh, I mean, we could only we went for an hour and changed on 
facts and we're only scratching the surface. Barely, of, barely, barely. We, there's no way. There, there's no. There's no way we could have. We could have talked for five hours, and there's no way you can really do the experience justice just by talking about it. It, it really is something else. It's it's um, it's video game mecca. Uh, it is it is a. It is is the closest thing that you can get to like a gaming pilgrimage is to go to PAX. So that is now so big that they do it three times a year. Three times a year in the United States. In the United States, yes. And once in Australia. So um, PAX is huge. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about our experience, what was what was uh, what was cool, and um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it for this week, and uh, we'll report back after PAX. Until then. Peace. Take care.